remember writing letters. Right? How many of you, I see some show of hands. Right? And so for, for thousands and thousands of years, we have written letters. And, and why do we write letters? Well, I think we write letters so that we're, we're sharing our hearts. We're, we're writing a letter to connect with someone else, especially as distance does not allow us to be apart. I think of especially being in a military community and also having worked for the newspaper here. I remember going and photographing an elderly couple. And while he was in the service, she wrote, they wrote each other letters. And they saved every single one of them. Right? And through that, you heard their love for one another and just what was going on back home. And so this morning, I thought, well, you know, I grew up in a generation where, like, texting kind of came about, right? Well, actually, as I saw, I was watching a thing on the 90s. I was actually born in the 80s, but, you know, I was a child of the 90s. There was the whole AOL instant messenger, right? So you had instant messenger, and then you had cell phones kind of came about. And so then you had texting, right? We live in the text or the tweetable generation is kind of what my kids are growing up in, Snapchat, you know? And so we don't really write a whole lot anymore. And I was thinking, like, I know Kendall and I used to write some. And then I remembered, well, I wrote her a letter in the front of her yearbook, right, when we were seniors in high school. And I took up a whole page in the front and a whole page in the back. And I just want to share a portion of that with you this morning, right? I'm going to embarrass my wife. No, I'm not going to embarrass myself. This is an example of why we write letters. Hey, baby, what can I say that reminds me of a song? You say it best when you say nothing at all. But yet I filled up two pages. We, We love song. We love music. It's okay. I would have to say that you are the best thing that has ever happened to me. The last two months have been the best two months of my life. I wake up every morning, and I abbreviated morning, the first thing I think of is you. Well, maybe that's because I just got off the phone with you, my wake-up call. Then I pick you up, go to school. While at school, I, um, all I can think about is the next time I'm going to see you. Then after school, there you are to pick me up. Off to work we go. At work, I think about, all I think about is, will 9 o'clock hurry up and get here? And then we'll hang out till midnight and depart, only to meet again in a few hours. Then we'll do it all over again. And so it's never a dull moment. I love you with all my heart, and I want to be with you forever. So the interesting thing about this letter, and the reason I picked it up, is because our senior year, so this morning you'll kind of see where I'm going with this, but not only are we sharing our love for each other, each other, but you're also painting a picture of what the future could look like. And what I find really fascinating is in our high school yearbook, I, we wrote and said, um, we wrote Caleb, Michael, or Kaylee K. We named our kid. I named my future kid, at least one of them, right? Chan actually came first, then Caleb. Um, but isn't that interesting that Caleb Michael, that's his name, and then Kaylee K, it didn't become Kaylee K, but it was Caitlin Denise, and, we, and it's Caitlin K. I don't know, anyway. But um, 
You, and then I closed it. I said, you mean the world to me, and I want to be with you every second that I can. And in the future, I will be right there with you. So as we celebrated 18 years recently, we're still right there together. So the reason I kind of shared this this morning with you is because I want us to begin to look. We're going to start a series in the book of Second Timothy. So if you will, I invite you to take your copy of God's Word, and I want you to turn over to the New Testament. And as you're turning, we want to just kind of help you navigate to where um, 2 Timothy is. So you'll find First and Second Corinthians, or Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and then First and Second Thessalonians, and then First and Second Timothy. So Second Timothy is sandwiched between First Timothy and Titus. Now you might ask this morning, Pastor Chris, why are we going into Second Timothy? Why not First Timothy? Well, as you know, a few uh, weeks ago, I was doing a message on studying the word power in the Word of God. And so the Lord led me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And as on Mother's Day, I preached a message where Paul is talking about the, the faith of Timothy's grandmother and mother who he knows must dwell in Timothy. And so I just began to read 2 Timothy, and it was just so rich. And so I wanted to go back there. And so today I want us to begin a study of 2 Timothy. I want to remind you before we dive into God's Word, as we always try to do, just kind of set the tenor and the tone of where we are in Scripture, we need to remember that this is the final communication of Paul. This is the final communication of Paul. He's writing to his protege, Timothy, who is also a pastor in the ministry. So he's writing to his protege. And I thought about it, and I know I've kind of had this on rinse and repeat, but I think it bears repeating. As I've told you time and time before in life, that we need three people. We need at least three solid people in our lives outside of Jesus Christ. But physically, in our relationships, we need three people. We need a Paul. We need someone in our life who has gone on ahead of us, someone who has wisdom, someone who we respect, someone who will share with us what they have learned and impart that knowledge to someone coming behind them. Then we need, as we'll see as we study Timothy, we need a Timothy. Who is that person in your life that you are investing in? Who is that person who's coming behind you, that young man or that young woman that you are being a Paul to or that you're trying to be a Barnabas to? That brings me to my third person, a Barnabas. You need people in your life who are a Barnabas. Outside of Jesus Christ, Barnabas is my main man. Barnabas's name literally means the son of encouragement. Now, I don't know about you, but in 2020 and as 2021 is knocking on the door, what is something that the world could use a little bit more of? Encouragement, right? Encouraging, loving, spurring each other on to do what God has called us to do. And so here we see Paul writing to Timothy, his protege. We also will see that there is a note of sadness not seen in Paul's other writings, but nevertheless, there is an overtone of triumph. As we'll see later in 2 Timothy, Paul tells us what? I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have finished my race and I have kept the faith. 
As I was reading through a book called Through the Bible by J. Vernon McGee, a commentary that he uh, written, it's one of the volumes, and I was reading about 2 Timothy. I just want to share this with you. Um, one that this less, um, even though it's four short chapters, um, they are very personal. So as we read these, read that. He's, we're hearing Paul as he's in prison, he's waiting to be executed. He's sharing that wisdom. He's sharing those things with that young man who's coming behind him to spur him on, to push him on to greater things that God has called him to do. And J. Vernon McGee said this, in this little book of 2 Timothy, an ominous dark cloud is seen on the horizon. It is the coming apostasy. Today, apostasy has broken like a storm, like a Texas tornado on the world and in the church. So what do we mean by apostasy? Webster defines apostasy as the total desertion of the principles of faith. So apostasy is not due to ignorance it is heresy. Apostasy is deliberate error. It is the intentional departure from the faith. An apostate is one who knows the truth of the gospel and the doctrines of faith, but has repudiated them. So think about that in the world that we live, that there is coming a time where it's not that people don't know the word of God, but they're not applying it and they're not living it out. They're not applying it and they're not living it out. So I invite you as we look together, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 1. And as you'll see through this series, <clears throat> there may be some weeks where we preach one or two verses or there may be other weeks where we preach chunks of verses. But this morning we are going to look at verse 1 in verse 2, and here we see, as we said in your bulletin, this is an introduction. This is Paul's greeting. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the reading of your word. We ask that you would open our hearts and minds to help us to see you in this scripture. Lord, help us to see the next step that we need to take in our life and walk with you. As we sing, may we have a closer walk with you. Father, help us to identify that next step. Help us to realize what it is you are calling us to do. Lord, give us the confidence and the hope that we need to step over that fear and into the life that you have called us to. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this morning I want to start and I want to invite you to look at your bulletin. For those of you that are on the phone and do not have it, you will, I will try to paint a picture of what you have in there. But in your bulletin, in the middle section of your bulletin, if you open the inside flap, you will see a, um, you will see a, a sentence that has been left with underlines. 
And that sentence, here's to paint a picture for those of you on the phone. It says blank, A slash an, blank, of Christ Jesus by the blank of God. So now let's fill that in. Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now, as we hear Paul writing this letter, he's writing his letter to Timothy, his beloved child, his, his pastor friend, who's coming behind him. Let me start by asking you this. If you were to write a letter today, what would you say to those coming behind you? What would you say to your children? What would you say to your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, to anyone that may pick up that letter? What would you say? Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. So this morning I've left those blanks. And for you, I want you to write on that first blank your name. So for me, it would say Chris, an encourager, a pastor, a father. What would you fill that blank in for you? And so then we see this. Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Friends, this morning, what is the will of God for your life? Have you asked him? Have you asked him? Do you know what God's will is for your life? As I woke up this morning, this phrase hit my heart. What we do is a reflection of whose we are. What we do is a reflection of whose we are. So Paul says he's an apostle of Christ Jesus. What are you? Are you an administrative assistant? Are you a surgical tech? Are you a widow? Are you a grandmother, a grandfather, a father, a mother? What are you? And can you begin to look at that and say, I am a father. I am a surgical tech. I am administrative assistant. I am what I am by the will of God. Again, and you know, I've said it over and over time again, but I was leaving off part of the statement. And y'all know the statement that I love by Robert Gallaty, but the part of the statement that I left off is really true is this, that the gospel came to you Because it was headed to someone else. God saved you to be a conduit through whom his glorious, life-changing gospel would flow to other people. The gospel did not come to you for you to be saved and get your health insurance and to live how you want to live. The gospel came to you because it was headed to someone else. You, my friends, are a vessel that can be used by the Lord to bring hope, to bring comfort, to bring healing into the lives of those that he places in your path. So this morning, Chris, Kendall, Terry, Bill, Ryan, Taylor, Gabe, Jenny, Dwight, Linda... You are what of Christ Jesus? Not all of us, Scripture tells us, not all of us are called to be teachers and pastors and evangelists. 
But what has God called you to do? You know, if and I put in there in the in the bulletin there was an additional resource. Um and it's a book called Kazon. Discover discovering or discover and pursue God's purpose for your life. That book was very instrumental in my life. A gentleman by the name of Kevin Litchfield, whose office is just across the street, has remained a friend for, to me, even though Bible Fellowship is not a part of any other association or any other denomination. Kevin is across the street, and he has remained a friend. And so whenever he got here, he gave me, or after we were meeting about something, I saw him, and he gave me a copy of this book. And I began to work through it, and it helped me to identify what God's plan was for my life. And what is God's plan? What is God's purpose for my life? God's purpose for Chris Moore is that I may be an authentic leader who invites people to connect with their God-given purpose and to encourage them along their life-changing journey with him. It's not your life-changing journey with me because as you well know, our journeys may cross, our paths may cross, but we are not indefinitely together. And there are people in your life, there are people who have attended Bible Fellowship in the past, right? The Awana program, you guys were the first church in, in the state to have Awana. Think about all the countless lives that you impacted with the gospel. They've gone on. Some of them have walked away from Jesus, but some of them are still walking with Jesus and making much of Jesus. Praise God for that. But what is God's will for your life? So I encourage you, that book, Kazon, it's, uh, it's in your bulletin. Look it up. Work through that. It will help you see in your life that the good and the bad, the, pr- the pain points, the moments of praise, what God was doing through those to make you who he is now and to set you on a course for where he wants you to be. <clears throat> this morning as I woke up, as we're talking about the will of God, I will share a link to this. Um, but I happen, I typically do not check my email before church on Sunday morning. Just don't want to, I don't want to be distracted, but I happened to just, I noticed it was all clutter. So I cleaned it out and I'd gotten an email from Version, which they have the Bible app. Um, and it's an amazing app and they give it away for free. Interesting story. That was almost a failed ministry because they tried to put it online. And then somebody came up and said, well, wait a second, there's this thing coming and it's called an app. Does anybody, y'all know what the app is? No. So they invested in that. And look at the difference that it made. But the reason I share this is this morning, as I was perusing that email, lo and behold, there was a seven-day Bible reading plan or devotional plan from Dr. Charles Stanley that's called The Will of God. It says, God's will for you doesn't have to remain a mystery. Whether facing a a major life decision or simply trying to walk with the Lord each day, your Heavenly Father wants to reveal the plans He has for you. Join Dr. Stanley as he teaches you about the will of God and how to discern it and the steps to take when walking in his will for your life. So I'm going to share that link with you. But also I want to remind you that things, why do you attend church? Why do you come on Sunday morning? Why do you try to come faithfully? Because things build on themselves. As we recently went through a series earlier this year, it was a series of how to listen 
to God, how to listen for God. And we talked about four ways that God speaks. God speaks through his word. He speaks through his spirit. He speaks through other people and he speaks through your circumstances. So if you're trying to discern the will of God, then you need to be plugged into his word. And you need to be asking God, God, may your spirit help me to understand your will for my life. Help me to see what you're doing. And then also, sometimes when people rub you the wrong way or they say things, don't get mad at them. But say, man, God, did you send that in my life to like make me stop and think about this? And think about what you're currently going through. Are you leaning on some other resource, some other thing, or are you leaning on the Lord? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Have you asked him what the will of God is for your life? Have you asked him what his will is for your life? Lord, what do you want me to be doing? How do you want to use me? And then we see that Paul says that it's according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Life. Now, what do we know about life? In John 10.10, Jesus says what? That the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes back and he says, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Can we pause right here for just a second and talk about TV preachers and, and, and the prosperity gospel? Kendall and I watched a documentary called The American Gospel. And any preaching and teaching that you hear of, I heard one pastor say on a clip that they shared, God has blessed you so you might bless me. <laughs> no. God has not blessed me so that I might bless you so that you can fly around in a private jet and stay in luxurious hotels, right? I mean, look at the gospel. What do we see in scripture? Jesus said, you know, pick up your knapsack and go. You might not know where you're going to lay your head, but go. Then say, go stay in the fanciest places as you minister to me. So any preacher that you hear that tells you that, you know, anytime that you come to the Lord Jesus and you become a Christian, that it's all about health, wealth, and prosperity, and God is going to prosper you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Because what do we know about following Jesus? Well, I'm glad that you kind of maybe had that question. Or if you didn't have that question, maybe me posing that made you think about that. What does it cost for following Jesus? Well, Paul told us in 2 Corinthians, listen to what he told us. He told the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians. So he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm an apostle by the will of God. And so what does it mean to be an apostle? What does it mean to do the will of God, this is what it means. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I drifted at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people. Mm. You know, the one worst of a stab you in the back is your brother in Christ. Amen. Danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. 
And apart from these things, there is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Does that sound like health, wealth, and prosperity to you? No. No, it doesn't. And, and kind of give you a, a little snippet of what Paul even tells Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, he tells Timothy, he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But there is hope. There is hope. Because think about that. He says the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus told us in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so as I was studying, I, was, I read this question. How do you accept the promise? You accept it by faith. You accept it by faith. And so as I was studying too, it was interesting as I was looking at these different verses, even this morning, as I was reviewing my notes, the Lord led me to 1 Corinthians seven seventeen. It says, only let each person lead the life the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. Friends, God has called you to a life and he, he has called you to a more abundant life than you have. And he wants to give you he, he, wants to, he wants to bless you. He wants to be a part of your life. But in, through walking with Him does not mean that it's going to be easy. That there will not be trials. There will not be tribulations. There will not be heartache. But friends, rest assured that Jesus says that he, we're not alone. That He goes with us and that He goes before us. So take comfort. Take hope in those Words. And then he says in verse 2 to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. It is a beautiful picture, if you work that backwards, that we're to look to Jesus, and it is through Jesus that we have access to the Father, and through the Father we have grace, mercy, and peace. And peace. Are you thankful for that this morning? Think about that. It is not through your good works that you are saved. The root of our salvation is in Christ and Christ alone. The, the fruit, the byproduct of our relationship with Christ is good works. It is good fruit. As we said this morning, what you do is a reflection of whose you are. You know what, friends? When you're pressed, what comes out? When you're pressed, what comes out? You, you may look like you have it all together on the outside, but when that trial, when that tribulation, when that frustration, when those roadblocks come, how do you respond? And friends, I don't know about you, but when you're walking with Jesus 
Thank God for His Spirit to convict you of when you miss the mark. And I stand before you today as a man who has missed the mark, is missing the mark, and will continue to miss the mark. But it is not me hitting the mark that saves me. It is the shed blood of Christ and Christ alone. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. Friends, when we get to heaven and Jesus says, and he, if, he, if he was to ask us, hey, Ryan, hey, Kendall, hey, Caleb, like, hey, why should I allow you into my heaven? Well, I tried to be a good person. No, no. Well, I was a member of a church. I tried to give. I tried to be nice to people. No. It is Christ and Christ alone. We are all sinners. But thank God for Jesus. Amen? That all who call upon the name of the Lord might be saved. All. What does the word all leave out? Nothing. So I ask you this morning, do you know what God's will is for your life? Have you asked him? Are you living in the center of his will? Have you, can you complete that statement and say, if, the, if you were the one writing this letter, that, that my name is Chris and that I'm an encourager of Christ Jesus by the will of God. I'm a pastor. I'm a father. What are you? And have you connected what you're doing? And is it a reflection of whose you are? I invite you to pray with me and then we will sing a song as we leave out this morning. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your letter to us. But Lord, this morning I thank you for Paul who was investing in the ministers and in those coming behind them, behind him to equip him for what he would see. And God, even as we study this letter, Lord, some 2,000 years later, there are truths that we can apply to our lives today because your word is living and active. Lord, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I stand on the promise that when your word goes forth, it doesn't return to you void. And so, Father, I pray here this morning that there was someone who might click, that your Holy Spirit would help them to see that what they do and whose they are will connect and they will live a life making much of Jesus of being your hands and your feet, whether they're in the classroom, they're the hospital room, in the waiting room, in the business office, whether they're in the grocery store, whether they're in their living room, or whether they're in the Sunday school classroom. God, wherever they are, that they might realize that you have called them and you have gifted them to help share your word and help share what you've done in their lives with others. Your word says, Lord, that you have brought us through things that we may comfort others. God, you have comforted us 
so that we may comfort others with the love and the comfort that you have shown us. And so, Father, we pray this morning, especially for the Jones family, who stand in need of prayer, who stand in the need of your healing touch, who stand in the need of feeling your peace and your presence. Father, we pray that they would feel that presence in the coming hours and coming days. Lord, thank you for Miss Ann reminding me and standing on the promise that you've got David. Lord, that only comes from a faith who is rooted and grounded in you. So, Father, help us to know your will. Lord, speak truth into our hearts and lives through your word, through your spirit, through our circumstances, and, Lord, through other godly people. Help us to test it by your word and to test it with you and to live it out as you've called us to live. For there is the promise of life, of eternal life, through Christ and Christ alone. Father, we thank you and we love you.